Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. It's good to see you guys back. We are doing the Emilia Romana Grand Prix review. Let's get right into it. Let's go. So interesting weekend, guys. We have the Italia Emilia Grand Prix review. Uh, this was one of those races where for the first time this season, we had the sprint race involved in the race weekend. So I think we were all sort of looking forward to seeing how these new design cars how they're going to operate, if they're going to be able to follow each other. Obviously, the sprint weekend, the sprint race during the weekend gives us kind of another chance and another way to evaluate how these cars are going. So it was an interesting weekend in that respect. You know, when you have a race in Italy, which this is one of two races, um, I think from a factor of the Tifosi and the fans, this was going to be a really nice homecoming because for the first time in a long time, you know, Ferrari has a machine under it and they have built a very good car. So it was really exciting for the fans. It was for the viewers and us fans. This was going to be really exciting to see how Ferrari were going to do in their home race, uh, being that, you know, they've they've built quite a machine. So for Charles Leclerc and Sainz, you know, this was going to be an exciting weekend to see what they can do in home turf. So you had the sprint uh, race happen on Saturday. And, you know, this weekend, of course, was a little tricky from the point of view that, you know, the race conditions and the weather we had rain all the way starting from Friday, um, going all the way to the race on Sunday. This was not an ordinary sunny track. You know, we had uh, when they were doing Friday practice, there was rain. So it was really weather affected all throughout the weekend. So you can see once we had the sprint race and we got further evidence again, and we've been seeing it all this year. Um, it's just amazing how the new regulations have, uh, you know, really be made the racing so that the cars can get really up close. Now, of course, teams like Mercedes, even the front runners like Ferrari, they're still experiencing these uh, really tough purposing, you know, kind of bouncing where the drivers are, you know, physically subjected to quite a bit of bounce on their back, on their necks, you know, so these cars are still bouncing about. Um, of course, you know, as I've talked about in previous episodes, Mercedes has been, this has really hampered their performance because of all the bouncing that they are experiencing, especially in the straights when they're going down. So um, they've had to change their ride heights in not an optimal position. Um, that's something that I'll get into deeper into the podcast. But, you know, it's it's also affecting Ferrari as well. So with all those issues aside, we can see during the sprint race, you know, Max uh, definitely won the sprint race. We can see that Red Bull has brought some upgrades to this race and they've worked very effectively. Uh, Sergio Perez has continued his run of really, really consistent drives. Um, and I've talked about this before. He seems to really 
be more accustomed to this style of, of the new regulation cars than he did the previous generation. Uh, I think Max has, you know, Max, you know, this race and this weekend had a superb weekend, but he's still overall, I don't think is as comfortable with this, with these current generation cars. I'm sure he will be as the races go along, but uh, Perez seems to be very, very consistent. So that sets us up for Sunday's race. You know, Max, like I said, topped uh, the Saturday the sprint race, the Ferraris were not far behind. And so on Sunday, yet again, you know, weather was a factor because, you know, every car on the track, they, it was still wet. So they were starting an on, on uh, intermediate. So once they started, uh, Max actually had a really good getaway. And that was very important because that really set the stage for the rest of the race, you know. And this was one of those races, curiously, at Emila that, you know, it's really when you break it down after the race, one side of the racetrack, so the side where Max um, and the other driver started, there was an absolute definite advantage starting on that side, then starting on the opposite side. And if you actually look at the results and the starts, it's already very tricky to make a start on on wet tracks with these current cars because of course unlike a as you guys can imagine previous generations of cars where the start and the clutch point was automatically done by the cars for you so the cars always had the 100 percent optimal starts because you know that was computer generated and the car would get the perfect clutch point now that is all done manually by the driver so that's that's you know very difficult that's actually from everything i've heard f1 drivers talk about that's not even easy on a dry track let alone a wet track like this past weekend so the red bulls and uh, max had a, a fantastic getaway and that set up you know the rest of the race and very early on, actually, before I even get to very early on and what happened between Sainz and Ricardo, uh, you have to recognize at the start, George Russell and the Mercedes. And, you know, of course, they really qualified. This was a very disappointing, uh, I should say, another disappointing weekend where in the sprint race, they were, you know, really low down. As far as qualifying was concerned, they really struggled. The Mercedes cars of Hamilton and Russell, but the start and the getaway that George Russell had was simply—I mean, you—you you have to give so much credit to this guy. He jumped at least five places right at the start, and so George Russell, from the very beginning, even before lap two, he set himself up for a really interesting race. So going back to the race. Uh, we know and understand that Carlos Sainz, you know, he's had a, a really tough start to the season. He had a DNF on the last race. One of the big news in Italy coming to this race was Carlos Sainz just signed uh, an extension with the team. He signed a two-year deal. So, you know, there was a really happy atmosphere in the team because both Charles Leclerc and Sainz are really working together uh, in a very unified way, they get along with each other. Um, they're, you know, really pushing the team forward. And I've, I've 
you know, you would remember uh, if you, you know, just listening to the podcast in the past season where I've talked about Carlos Sainz is an underrated, he's an extremely fast driver. In fact, most will forget Carlos Sainz in his first year with Ferrari last year actually had more points than Charles Leclerc. So you can imagine, you know, and they didn't necessarily have the strongest car last year, but it, it, it got stronger towards the end of the year. That says a lot about the kind of driver that Charles Leclerc is. So fast forward to this race, like I said, um, there were high hopes that, you know, his beginning, the beginning of the season for him has been basically the house of opposites to Charles Leclerc. Leclerc has had wins. He's been very confident in his driving and science has had bad luck. He's made mistakes. So this was the stage for him, especially in the home ground, one of the home Grand Prix for Ferrari in front of the Tifosi to have a great race. And here he was opening laps, literally fourth, fifth lap. Ricardo, who was coming um, around in a corner and signs gave him plenty of space. If you watch the replays and he still uh, went ahead and he, I, be I believe he had understeer, but he hit signs Ferrari. And of course that is going to push both their cars to the gravel and Ricardo couldn't come out. Signs couldn't come out. And I mean, you just had to feel even whether you're a Ferrari fan or not. I mean, I just, you had to feel so bad for signs because here he was yet another race and he has a DNF, no points. And this one, I mean, you know, he's made previous errors this year, but this one you cannot even put on him. I mean, that was uh, an error by Ricardo that caused that on signs. And that, that was just such a shame because, you know, th those are one of those incidents that you have no control over. You know, somebody hits your car, taps you and you're in the gravel in the home race for Ferrari. And he really needed a good result. Carlos Sainz really needed a good result. Um, on this race and not even five, six laps into the race. Here he was, he's in the gravel, his race is done. So that was disappointing. That was very disappointing for the fans, obviously very disappointing for Carlos Sainz. So you have that happen. So, you know, now of course, Ferrari are fighting, um, with essentially just one driver and one car. So, you have that going and with the weather going the way it is on lap 19, you, you have uh, a change of weather. Now, let me, let me take that back. Now, Ricardo was in the gravel, but that did not, he was still able um, to continue, you know, uh, Charles, I mean, uh, Sainz was not able to do that, but Ricardo was able to do that. So that basically uh, compromised Sainz very much so. So as I was saying, on lap 19, drivers started switching. There was a, kind of a break in the weather where drivers went from their intermediate tires to medium. So you started seeing everybody bum rushing uh, to, the, to the pits to go ahead and change their tires and go to medium. So you saw that strategy playing out and while we're talking about that switchover, of course, it's very difficult for teams to, you know, kind of know when, when is it that, that point where you're going to change and get out of the intermediate tires. And I have to say, strategy wise, 
while um, McLaren made the right decision with Ricardo to get him in earlier, he was the first driver to go ahead and put the slick tires on and go out. And of course, immediately when the other teams saw the times he was posting, uh, you know, other people went out, you know, went and got their drivers in to switch it out. But so kudos to them for doing that first. But I have to say, I, I really have to question. So Mercedes at this point, and so Hamilton was languishing all the way back in 14th position. Now, mind you, I told you Russell, unlike Hamilton, it was having uh, he was really moving up. He was aggressively moving up. He had made so many positions at the beginning of the race, like I told you all. So with Hamilton being behind and he was stuck behind Gasly and it, it, it was, um, I, and I'm searching for the right words here. It was not only just disappointing, but it was bizarre to see that Hamilton, we, we know the Mercedes car is not good and you know, they're working extremely hard behind the scenes. Um, in order to push this car. And like I said, that's that's a topic I'll get into in a little bit by itself. But it was bizarre with, with seeing Hamilton struggle like that. And he was behind Gasly lap after lap after lap, as Nico Rosberg very cheekily said on the ITV uh, interview. We'll get, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later if we have time. But so you can see that for some odd reason, you know, it's not just a lack of pace of the Mercedes, because again, we know it's inferior to the Red Bull and to the Ferrari, but mind you, Russell in the same machinery has made up five, six places. He's able to pass people, but Hamilton absolutely struggled. And the point I'm trying to make is at that point, I I, this would have been a great opportunity to take a gamble and, and get Lewis Hamilton in. Now, let's be fair to Mercedes because his race engineer, Bono, actually came on the radio. He asked about the conditions and he said, hey, you know, do you think what's your opinion on changing to slicks? And Hamilton responded it was too early. OK, now that's that's really crucial. And, I, you know, people who have maybe watched the race, I don't know if some of you all caught that part. It was easy to miss. It's just one quick segment. But that was really crucial because I, I always say this. It's easy for us now, you know, to play, uh, you know, to go behind the race and say if they should have done this, if they should have done that. It's easy to say that after we've seen the race. I know it's very hard to make that decision on the go while it's happening while you have inclement weather and changing conditions at the end of the day you're always always going to try to rely on the driver because he's the one on the ground you're not you're on the pit wall so and not only are we talking about any ordinary driver we're talking about you know one of the best drivers in the world so when he tells you it's too wet as a team of course i understand that but here's a little bit of my pushback when you see Lewis, and again, I know I'm I'm playing the Monday uh, morning quarterback, as they say in America. And for all my listeners um, in different, you know, uh, <laughs> in different countries that are not America, that's just basically saying you are talking about 
you know, a match, whether it's football or F1, you're talking about it on a Monday after it happens Sunday and saying, hey, you could have changed X, Y, and Z. It's easy to say that on a Monday, but it's very hard to do that while you're going through that. So that's where that saying comes from. But my my point and, uh, and analysis, excuse me, is I think that would have been a point. And again, it's very hard to overrule Hamilton. And I completely understand that 100%. But I wonder if they had been insistent and said, Hamilton, we need you to come in. Let's go ahead and change tires. I know maybe Lewis would have protested. And of course, if things hadn't gone well and he put the slicks on and then he slides and hits the barrier. Now we're going to blame the team. So I get that. But all I'm trying to say is I wish they had factored that in and gotten Hamilton in earlier to the slick tires like Ricardo and McLaren did. And had they had done that, that could have really given Hamilton a little bit of a boost up and moved him up in positions. But they didn't do that, unfortunately. So that didn't happen. So Hamilton continued struggling and, um, you know, really bogged down behind that Alfa Tari and, and Gasly. So we have the race continuing. And so Max Verstappen was really controlling the race. You have Le- Leclerc who's chasing him. But Sergio Perez is also doing a very outstanding job. And he's right thereabouts in the top three, top four. So on lap 54, what happens is Ferrari had a strategy. They went in and they had kind of a last minute change where they switched to soft tires. So they did that. And what Red Bull did was, you know, Red Bull, I believe this weekend were really on it on all sides. They executed strategy very well. They responded very well to the weather conditions that were changing, which is a very difficult thing to do. So uh, Red Bull mirrored what Ferrari were doing. So on lap 54, Leclerc was really aggressively chasing Perez because, you know, he wanted to go ahead and take the position. And when he did that, he had a lot of speed and he hit a curb, which launched his car. And so he had a spin. So unfortunately, you know, instead of having a third position, that really dropped him down the line and he lost about three or four positions. This is Leclerc. So he went from a P3 and he tumbled down. And that was a very costly mistake because um, if you look at, you know, kind of the championship order, so they lost seven um, constructor points right there. And of course, there was no Ferrari on the podium. So that was you know, pretty debilitating for the Italian crowd that was there. Uh, you know, the Italian crowd was looking forward to seeing, I think, both Ferraris on the podium. Unfortunately, they went from that to, you know, Carlos Sainz being knocked out very early. And then you had, of course, the spin with Sainz, which, you know, really upset him. That was just a self-induced error. He just pushed too much. He apologized to the team later on, but that pushed him down. What that did was that pushed Norris, who had a a really strong weekend, you know, Norris, yet again, he shines through whether it's, you know, inclement weather, whether it's a regular weekend, you can just see the amount of work that and the talent and the, the driving that Norris does, you know, he doesn't, he avoids kind of the melee and the accidents, and he still managed um, to come in 
with the final podium position. And so that mistake by by the clerk uh, went ahead and enabled Norris to take the final position on the podium. So you had Max, uh, that, uh, um, you know, winning the race. He also had fastest lap. You had Perez, who did a very solid job. He came in second. So this is this gives Red Bull uh, one, two. And on top of that, you know, they also had the fastest lap. So Red Bull really maximized on this weekend and, and maximized on their points. They basically checked off every single category from fast lap, race win to the second position on the podium. They checked all those categories. So it was a huge weekend for them. It also gave Max Verstappen a much needed points boost because, you know, he had lost so much with the DNF that he had. He had fallen almost two race weekends, like I said to you guys on the last podcast behind. So it now has basically cut in half the point deficit that he had. So outstanding weekend for Red Bull. But like I said, that's what happened on lap 54. So really disappointing for Leclerc. Um, He was very downbeat, understandably, after the race. Uh, One of the things I really, you know, admire about this young man is, um, and I, you know, it's, it's an admirable trait. He always, if he makes mistakes, um, you never, ever see him blame it on something else. He takes 100% full responsibility for it. Um, you know, he said, I, I pushed uh, much more than I needed to at that point, And I take responsibility and he apologized to the team. So I think, you know, that says a lot about his character. And he is, you know, I think the battle between him and Max Verstappen is really going to go down to the wire. So really important weekend for Red Bull. And like I said, this is going to be a disappointing weekend for Ferrari. I'm sure they're going to come back stronger, but we also have to keep in mind that on, on this race weekend, Ferrari actually didn't bring any major updates. Um, Red Bull did. And it seems like the upgrades that they brought, um, definitely pushed them a little bit ahead of Red Bull uh, this weekend. So we're going to see how that plays out in the next couple of races. But in this weekend, I believe the car wise, Red Bull had the edge. All right. So those are the two top teams. And like I said, you saw fights during the race. I do have to mention while watching the race, it was really disappointing how they did not um, activate DRS and the commentators, including Crofty from ITV on the uh, network, they talked about it and you can just see how it affected the race. I do not know why the race director, I understand, of course, there was bad weather. So, you know, I understand not having DRS in the first couple of races while, you know, people had intermediates, but after that point, you could have introduced DRS back and they, the, the, whoever the, you know, the person was in charge of that decision from the FIA side was that weekend. That was just really, really disappointing because it, you know, it affected the race. You, you can see it was very difficult. This is already a very difficult track in Amelia. It's, it's very narrow. It was very slippery with the race. And the fact that they waited so long to activate DRS was really disappointing and they need to look into that. So that was another aspect I really wanted to uh, touch on. But um, finally, we have to talk about Mercedes. And uh, I, I said to you guys earlier, I'm going to come back on this uh, topic and expand. So, you know, 
it was interesting because in practice in FP2, Mercedes actually for the first time this year, they actually topped the timesheet. So um, they had one car, uh, this was in uh, uh, FP2 in, in free practice two. One car was in the first position, the other car was in fourth. So this is the first time they, they actually topped a practice session, okay? But overall, they struggled yet again, and um, they had brought just really minor upgrades to the car. I've, I've shared with you guys um, people that are very high up in the team, from the trackside director Andy Shovlin to Total Wolf. Uh, they have told the press that you know they're not in any position to bring big upgrades to the car right now because. They're still trying to understand the myriad issues as far as the bouncing and other airflow related issues they're having with the car. Uh, you know, you cannot just bring upgrades um, and stick them on the car when you don't even fundamentally have the answers to what is causing the issues that you're having. They're still not able to have the, the correct ride height that they want for the car, that, that's costing them time, that's costing them uh, mechanical grip. So with that being said, you know, it was another really tough weekend. They were not able to warm up their cars in qualifying, which was very disappointing because of the red flags around the track. Had that happened, you never know what the outcome could have been. But the one glaring, glaring thing from this weekend was the difference in performance in Russell and in Hamilton. And you cannot emphasize that enough because George Russell in, in, in this car that has been deemed very difficult, he wrangled and came in fourth. I mean, imagine that, guys. You know, admittedly as a person who's watched f1 for a very long time and i said this to a friend of mine a good friend of mine today you know there have been years where um ferrari had built a car you know that was in certain races was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with mercedes and we understand of course you know the the turbo hybrid the, the turbo hybrid early years of mercedes where there was actually no competition. The competition was only between the two Mercedes drivers, which happened to be at the time, Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. The rest of the cars were actually just scrapping for the third, fourth, fifth, you know, other positions. There was actually no other competitor pace-wise to the Mercedes. So we've gone through that era and we, we've seen years where, you know, Red Bull, built a competitive cars a car and then last year was the exception red bull built a very strong car that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with mercedes but the point i'm trying to make is we have never seen a time where the mercedes was 0.8 seconds 0.9 seconds almost a second off the pace and yet russell the the rookie in mercedes was able to wrangle the car and lose you know, came in 14th. That's a big, big difference. That's not something you expect with somebody with the experience of Lewis Hamilton, the seven-time world champion, but uh, it was a really, I don't want to say confusing, but it just was surprising to see the gulf and, and, and the difference in performance between the two drivers. So, 
um, there was a radio message at the end of, um, you know, when they when they finish the race and, you know, the drivers are uh, kind of on their cool down lap where, you know, they're about to park their car. Uh, the head of Mercedes Total Wolf came on the radio, basically uh, just giving encouraging words to Lewis Hamilton, uh, you know, just saying, I, we know that the car is undrivable, you know, just kind of keep your head up. You know, we will definitely get out of this. We will get better. An encouraging message. And, you know, Lewis definitely, um, I'm sure, appreciated that message. And he responded, you know, he understands they all have to just as a team continue working hard so i we just have to you know we just have to watch the the space i think the next um races are going to be really crucial for mercedes you know this concept um the 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 what i call the plan b you know really reworked uh mercedes with the no side pods that they revealed on the second part of testing bahrain this has this design has been very very troublesome for the team it's been very hard to find the window where the car works um, you can see you know there's there's potential in this car uh, there's definitely great speed but you know having trying to set up this car especially compared to Red Bull and Ferrari Mercedes are having a very hard time understanding and unlocking this vehicle. So I think the next couple of races are going to be very important for them. Um, like I said, I'm really surprised to see the difference in performance for Lewis compared to the great job that Russell is doing. So, um, you know, we hope for the sake of the championship and everything, uh, we do want to see a three horse race. So I hope they can come back and, uh, you know, whatever... Um, I guess parts of the card that are giving Lewis Hamilton a really hard time. I, I, you know, from everything the drivers are saying, obviously this is not uh, an easy car to drive. It's not an easy car to set up, but we just have to watch what the next couple of races bring because um, yes, it's a long season, but we just finished race four and, you know, they are, as a team and especially Lewis Hamilton as a driver, they're really falling behind and you want to get some momentum. Uh, you do want to get some, some movement, uh, and improvement. So I hope they can go ahead and do that. So, but, um, you know, again, a strong weekend for Red Bull. So those that, uh, basically concludes the Emilia Romana Grand Prix review. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the podcast and supporting it. I look forward to seeing you guys in the Miami Grand Prix, which is going to be very exciting. It's a new track for everybody. So until then, stay safe and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye bye.